May we together hear from you and learn how to love you more. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I remember uh, quite vividly Christmas. It was Christmas 1977. I received a gift of, um, some of you may remember that, a hardcover NIV Bible. On the front of the Bible was a picture that was kind of typical for the late 70s, a picture of Jesus. And he has a perfectly trimmed beard and and white, perfectly straight teeth and uh, kind of that puffy, blown dry hair. And he's got a lot of white on and and there's a child sitting on his lap and, and he's petting a lamb that is near him. I, I kind of remember that image very clearly. But I remember most importantly that Bible was given to us by a family friend. And in the very front cover, he inscribed these words to me personally. And I always remember it. He said, Tim, always keep Jesus first, others second, and yourself Last, Boy, that is a challenge for all of us every day. That Bible has long been gone. But I remember those words. I think of our study, even in the fruits of the Spirit, it really is based out of that model. God first, Jesus first. We looked at the first three fruits. What? They come in clusters, love, joy, and peace. All speak of our upward relationship to our Heavenly Father. The second cluster that we talked about, patience, kindness, and goodness, all speak about a relationship that we are to have with others, outwardly speaking. And today we begin our third and final cluster in this study, and it is on this word that I so delight in. It is the word faithfulness. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, our text this morning, but the fruit of the Spirit is we're going to look at this word faithfulness. The very first message that I ever preached as your pastor at Big Woods Bible Church on May the 1st, 2011, was entitled, Be Faithful, Be Faithful, Be Faithful. I'm sure all of you remember it very, very vividly. A little redundant, I know, but it's a lot important. Matter of fact, I was struck by that uh, when we, when we uh, first came to visit to preach at Big Woods. I stayed at, we stayed at the Gaunt family and Friday morning, bright and early at 6 o'clock, they said, well, what we do is we get together every Friday morning. We pray around the table with some men. And I was struck by that and how faithful as I continue to meet on a regular basis with those faithful men praying Reminded of how many people in this body have been faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise God for that. We understand the importance of this subject and we understand that it must remain a priority in our lives. And we also understand that this is an evidence or a fruit of what? The ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. You and I cannot be faithful. We cannot produce faithfulness in and of ourselves by surrendering, submitting entirely the authority of the Holy Spirit. This is what will happen. This is what will take place. So here's this word a little bit. The word faith, the word faithfulness comes from the Greek word pistis. It is the exact same word that Paul uses in Titus chapter 2 in verse 10. We begin with this. It says, showing all your good faith. 
I love the wording of the old King James Version. It says this in Titus chapter 2, verse 10. I love the phraseology of it. Showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. What is Paul saying here? He says what faithfulness is visible. You can actually show others. In fact, we should show others what faithfulness looks like. I don't think it's as visible as love or joy or peace. It's certainly not as fun and flashy. But I tell you what, you can still show people. You have to let everyone know who you are. You have to let everyone know what you are when you surrender to the authority of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. He can actually empower you to be faithful. Or if you are here this morning, you say, yeah, I am that. The Holy Spirit can empower you to be more faithful, which is absolutely necessary. Now understand this word. We we have to know that this word faithfulness is not used in the sense of having faith, okay, it's not in that context, stepping out into the unknown or demonstrating faith. It's not that, it's what? It has to do with the idea of being faithful. Officially, the word is defined like this. Faithfulness is to be constant, is to be fast, firm, loyal, resolute, staunch, steadfast, steady, and true. I love this word. I love, I love that God in his sovereignty has allowed us to pause on this day and look at this one word. Is faithfulness needed today? As we are struck with yet one more story of a Hollywood breakup after three long years of marriage. I read an article recently of a woman who, who has, has divorced her fourth Husband, is the subject of faithfulness even relevant? Does it need to be addressed today? Does it not seem that people today quit one job because I've heard this? It's really, really hard. I've heard students that quit college, leave college. Why? Because it's really, really hard. No, that's why you should stay in college because it is really, really hard. One of the best athletes I've ever seen uh, played alongside of my son in, in high school, football player, and he went to West Point as a quarterback. He lasted one month. He came home in tears. Direct quote, because they took my iPod away. Wait, wait a minute. I'm just asking, examining, is this word faithfulness even relevance in our context today? I would highly recommend, I don't recommend a lot of secular books, Tom Brokaw's book called The Greatest Generation. There's something that we automatically go to, we point towards. Now these men and women knew the word faithfulness. I'm reminded of my own grandfather. He was actually my step-grandfather. My actual grandfather, my dad's dad, was killed in World War II. And my grandmother had... My dad, three years old at the time, and his nine-year-old sister, Rose, a widow with two children, and my grandpa, Keys, came home from the war and, and, and married my grandmother, who was a widow. Another man, Robert Keys, came home, and he married Grandma. 
And he raised these two children as his own. My, my own father, he raised as his own. That was our grandfather for who we knew. And I think about his life. For 42 years living in the north side of Philadelphia, he would walk several blocks to catch a bus, and then he'd ride a bus for several blocks, and he'd catch a train, and he would then ride a train for 45 minutes to go to a factory where he would stand on an oil slick cement floor all day long. His job was smoothing and sanding ball bearings. He did that every day for 42 years. And people say, what? Yeah, my job, it's too hard. I'd like to find another one. There's something about this idea of faithfulness that we need to to get back to and return to. It's that type of, you know what? We are committed. We are here regardless. It's that kind of faith. We go back into the Old Testament. We're introduced to men like Joshua and Caleb who are faithful men. The words and, and the character of a Job. He went through the worst of the worst. He said, naked I came, naked I will go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is faithful. You think of the words of the Apostle Paul. We'll examine in a moment. The words of the Apostle John who boiled alive and he still burned and scarred and, and, and survived and was faithful to the Lord. You think of Ignatius and Justin and Polycarp, some of these early martyrs of the faith. Polycarp, who in the second century tied to a stake, ready to be ignited, the sticks around him to be burned. And they asked him one last time, please renounce the name of Jesus Christ and you will survive. Polycarp's response was this, 80 and 6 years have I served him and he has never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king? who had saved me. And they lit him on fire. It's that kind of faithfulness. It's missing. It's missing in our society, in our generation. Sadly, much of it is missing even in the church of Jesus Christ today. Where are the John Calvins, the Martin Luthers, the Charles Wesleys, the Whitfields, the Spurgeons, the Moody's, the William Carey's, the Hudson Taylor's, the Adoniram Judson's, and the Fanny Crosby's? That's the faithfulness that we're talking about. The question is this. We begin our question with, does it exist today? Can it exist today? The answer is a simple one. Yes. Yes, it can exist. And yes, I believe it still does exist. I met with a woman in my office, Roberta Muthler, on Tuesday who celebrates what with her husband Richard next month in November, 60 years of marriage. Faithfulness still exists today. Faithfulness is the missionary couple who comes home in the field to get rested up and recharged. Why? To go back on the field again. That's faithfulness. That's what it exists and looks like today. Faithfulness is a school teacher who arrives without calling in sick every other week. Faithfulness is the mom who wipes the noses and changes the diapers, does the dishes day in and day out without complaining. That's faithfulness today. It's the Christian man, it's the Christian woman who says, I will follow you. As Heather sang, reminded us, I am yours. That's the idea we need to recapture. This is what the spirit-led, spirit-fed character trait looks like. 
But as faithfulness is valued and commended and celebrated all the way through Scripture, we see first and foremost that faithlessness, faithlessness is cautioned against, is warned against. It's to be avoided. Point number one this morning, the Apostle Peter addresses the seriousness of faithlessness. Turn quickly with me to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 and 22. The Apostle Peter addresses the seriousness of faithlessness. Peter, who is Peter? Oh, he knew the sting of being unfaithful. Peter understood what the weight and the burden of abandoning, of denying, of running from as opposed to running to. Peter speaks about the truth of being faithful, especially when it comes to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter has to be one of my favorite characters in Scripture because he really doesn't care about impressing anyone ever. He just says it. And he does not hold back when he speaks about the severity of those who at one time claimed to hold to the truth of the gospel, who claimed to be faithful, and they have walked from or ran from the gospel. In, in 2 Peter chapter 2, we don't have time to read all of the chapter, but he addresses what it looks like for these individuals who are faithless. And there's a long list. You can, you, can, you can examine this. He literally, he describes these people with words. He's calling them names. He describes in 2 Peter chapter 2 as those who accursed children. They are what? They are children who bring destruction. They entice unsteady souls. He calls them greedy. He calls them ignorant. He calls them blots. He calls them blemishes. He calls them waterless springs. Wow, he is talking about something. And then he gets ticked. And he says this, For them the gloom of utter darkness is reserved. As a matter of fact, he uses that phrase twice in Second Peter chapter 2. For a certain set people, the gloom of utter, utter darkness is reserved. And then we need to direct your attention to verses 21 and 22. Peter uses these incredibly strong words, incredibly strong language. He says, for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back. The New King James uses the term turn away from the holy commandment that is delivered to them. Wow, that is a strong indictment. That They are sad words. It's better that they would never have even heard, that they would never have known than what having at one time proclaimed it, at one time proclaimed to be faithful and now have turned and are faithless. Better for them never to have known the way of righteousness. Now, what is this way of righteousness? Peter is directing our attention to what? It is better for those who have never heard and known the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is ultimately the way of righteousness, the holy God, sinful man, a distance between the two. And the only way that is reconciled is through what? Faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says it's better for them. Why? Because if you move from the way of righteousness, you move from the gospel, what? If you're not faithful to the gospel, why would you be a faithful husband at home? 
If you're not faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, why would you be a faithful wife, a faithful teacher, a faithful parent? Why would you be faithful to your church if you're not faithful to the gospel first and foremost? And so it begins, as you and I begin to ask the question, am I faithful? Not like the quick check off, yes, let's move on to the next one. No, am I willing to endure day in and day out? There is something that is referred to as, as turnaround time. Ever, you ever uh, shop by phone or shop online? You click and you put it in like the, the little shopping cart that really, there is no shopping cart actually. You click, add to the cart, okay? And then from that moment until the time you click that, to the time that it actually arrives on your doorstep, it's referred to as turnaround time. How long is it? Sometimes it's really impressive. Like, didn't I just order that yesterday? And then other times it's like, what are they thinking? Where's the cart? Then there's something that this time in between, this turnaround time, do you realize that for a lot of people today, they will desperately regret the turnaround time, the self-imposed lag time between when they heard the truth and they actually acted upon the truth. Do you realize that? Do you realize that every minute counts? That there's this turnaround time from when you hear something to the time that you say, you know what, really, I probably should do something about that. Well, it begins with what? It begins with a sense of, of commitment. For some of you, maybe what? The step of salvation. Offering yourself completely to the Lord, surrendering to His authority, recognizing your sinfulness and His holiness. Perhaps it's a decision or commitment to become a member of church, to be baptized, or to commit to a ministry, whatever it is. Perhaps it's a commitment to say, you know what, I, I really need to deal with that bad habit or that dirty secret. It's bothering me, but there's too much lag time. And we will regret that. God's word is very clear how to move from unrighteousness to righteousness. How to move from faithlessness to faithfulness. That's what we have to realize. Think of the Israelites alone. Do you realize how quick they could have made the journey from Egypt to the land of Canaan? Do you realize how short of a distance that is? A couple months at best to move 2.2 million people. And it took them 40 Years of wandering and destruction and death. Why? Because they weren't faithful to the way of righteousness. Do, do you realize that? Realize that churches in our country do not have to be splintered and fighting and fragmented if they're faithful in the way of righteousness. Realize that families don't have to be in disarray and marriages don't have to be in conflict. They don't have to be divorces if people are faithful in the way of righteousness. Realize we wouldn't have debates today in our society of whether or not we can hang the Ten Commandments, the basic moral decalogue of all time, in public places if people were faithful in the way of righteousness. We wouldn't have debates on whether or not a fetus is a baby or whether or not two men or two women can be married. We wouldn't have those debates if people are faithful in the way of righteousness. And that's what we're talking about this morning. The way of righteousness is truth. The truth is what the Holy Spirit promises. When you surrender and submit to Him, He will fill and control every day of your life and He will produce faithfulness, fidelity. 
to remain constant and consistent in word and in commitments. The Apostle Peter addresses the seriousness of faithlessness. Secondly, the Apostle Paul acknowledges the cost of faithfulness. The Apostle Paul acknowledges the cost Faithless. A lot of dialogue going on with this question. Excuse me, how much is that going to cost me? Wow, Did you, do we not hear that question? Excuse me, yeah, what's it going to cost? Can I, can I be perfectly honest here? Can I just be blunt with you? Can I be Peter-esque in my, in my teaching or in my preaching? How much is it going to, to talk? Paul speaks about this. Galatians chapter 6, we'll actually pause on this in a a couple weeks. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. How much is this faithfulness thing going to cost you? Well, Paul says what? I'll turn around and I'll show you, literally, physically, the scars from the beatings and the imprisonments, from the sickness and the illness and his shipwrecks. How much is it going to cost me? Excuse me. How much will this cost me? Well, according to Paul, he says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, we're studying this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's, that's, that's the element of what it's going to cost. Paul uses the term in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, what? That we offer ourselves a living sacrifice. Remember that oxymoron? How are you both? If you're living, I can be dead. If you're dead, I can be living. No, that's who we are. How much is this going to cost you? How much is it going to cost me? According to what we see in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 18, Paul says what? That in everything he might be preeminent. How much is this going to cost? Let me, let me make it very clear. It will cost you everything. That's what it will cost you. So stop thinking for a moment. If you can slice off a portion of your life and offer it to the Lord, that's, that's, that's fallacy. It's, it's lying and falsehoods. The Apostle Paul acknowledges the cost of faithfulness. And so we ask, how, how, how are you doing here on this idea of offering your entire self? Because that's what we see in Scripture. Matter of fact, Christ says, what well, you deny yourself, you take up your cross and you follow me. Well, how much is left for me then? How much is it? It's going to cost you everything. How do you measure up when it comes to living every day like that to you hanging in there? How do you measure up? How are you known for your level of commitments? You know what is interesting and, and what I, I just want, I just feel so urgent to tell people, stop, stop talking and telling people that you love God or that you follow Christ if you are not in His Word every single day and on your knees in prayer. Don't, don't tell people how much you love God if you're not willing to be faithful when it comes. And I mean it. Don't tell people, okay, how much you love others if you are kind to them. And when you walk away or they walk away, you begin to come. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Don't tell other people how many good things you're doing for the poor people in this world if you're not faithfully bringing into the storehouse that which already belongs to God. That's what we're talking about when, when we talk about faithfulness. Think of Paul for a moment. If you could carve an epitaph on his tombstone, it would read this, faithful unto death. That's what it would say. Paul wrote these words, what? He is waiting his execution in prison. He has been tortured. He has been starved. He's awaiting to have his head removed from his body. And he pens these words without any hesitation. I have fought the good Fight. I have finished the race. What are these next words? I have kept the faith. Paul acknowledges the cost of faithfulness. Thirdly and finally, the Lord Jesus Christ promises a reward for faithfulness. Oh, what a delight. We don't deserve it. But God in his mercy sees us and cares for us and loves us. We know the style that Jesus taught. It was a unique style. He indicates the importance of faithfulness, oftentimes to the use of parables, stories people can easily identify with or illustrations. And I think about the parable of, of the faithful steward, the parable of the talents. Remember that where there's a man who goes on a journey <clears throat> excuse me, and he, and, he, and he has three servants. To one he gives five talents, to one he gives two, and to one he gives one talent. And he leaves. And as he returns, what? The one in five said, I, I, multi- I invested this and have multiplied this. It's doubles. What does Jesus say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. And I'll make you faithful over many things. I will set you over much. Same thing with the guy who only had two. He only had two. That's not a whole lot. He had two and he went and he invested it and he doubles it. And God says what? Jesus says what? The exact same thing. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful only a few things. And then there's one guy who just didn't get it. He just thought what? Well, I'm just going to hold on to this. I don't want to risk this. And he buries it. Jesus wants nothing to do. God makes it very clear. He wants nothing to do with those of you that have this idea, this thinking. There's this fallacy. There's this lie that comes from the pit of hell that says, when you have much, then you will offer much. That, that, that's a lie. There's this false thinking that said, when I have or if I had a lot of gifts or a lot of talents or a lot of monies, then I'm just going to offer it all to the Lord's. No, that's not how it works. It's who God has made you to be. Stop looking to other people. Stop comparing. Stop wishing, well, if only I had the opportunity. No, God made you to be you. And He desires for you to be faithful. It may not be big and it may not be loud. That's okay. God desires for you to be faithful. It may be small and it may be quiet. That's okay. Be faithful in that. This idea, this thinking that if you don't jump off a cliff for Jesus, then you're not going... No, no. Be faithful to arrive every single day that you say you're going to arrive. Be on time. 
Be faithful to teach the Sunday school class or to work in the nursery. Or be faithful to vacuum or clean toilets, whatever it is that you've signed up to do. Be faithful in doing that. Be a faithful mom and a faithful husband. Be a faithful parent leading your child, telling them over and over and over again the same thing. Be faithful in your prayer life. Be faithful in your quiet time in the Lord's. Be faithful every day to share the hope of the gospel. Be faithful in your disciple-making. That's what we're talking about right here. What is it? What, what waits for us? We don't do it for this purpose, but God in His grace and His mercy, He what? What does Paul say? He continues on, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. You know, that's the uncool part. The cool part is what? Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give. God actually has something in store for you. But He offers it to you. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. So may it be a reminder to you, may you be encouraged on those freezing cold February mornings that will come and you say, do I really want to do the same thing over and over again? That's what God calls us to. We show everyone what good faith, not so that they're impressed with us, but they show, we show everyone what what the Holy Spirit empowers and enables us to be so that He gets the glory, not us. Fruits of the Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We delight in Your love for us. We ask You, Lord, that You would Equip us, empower us, and enable us to be faithful. A character trait that is long lost in today's world. Thank you, Lord, that we have something so important when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ to be faithful about. We praise your name. We thank you for this time to learn this lesson this morning where we may you allow your Holy Spirit to continue to speak to our lives about what areas we need to make changes in So we're faithful for you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Just stand with us, please, as we close. And uh, let's go out just recognizing the one.